Isn't that a marvellous hymn? Be thou my vision. How many times does our vision get clouded with other things? Other things we think we need, we think we want. And when we come to our Father, he shows us what we really need, what we're really lacking. And so it's an opportunity now for some time of corporate prayer where we do come before God to ask him to show us what we need and to lay before him the things we think we need. Uh, When Jesus taught, he taught about the Father and he said, do any of you give your children, you know, if your child asks for some bread, do you give him a stone? Even you who are evil know how to give good gifts. How much more does the Father know how to give good gifts to his children, to give the Holy Spirit to his children? So we're coming before him now and I invite you to bring to mind those things you think you need and to lay them before God and we'll have a time of quiet and ask the Lord in your heart to show you what you really need and pray for those things. And maybe he, maybe that's something you might want to take forward with you into the week. Let's come before our Father. Father God, we come before you now, our great, holy, magnificent, heavenly Father, who is full of love and grace, who has called us into your family. And we come now as your children, knowing that you are our Father and that you long to give good gifts to us. As we are quiet now, show us what we really need. We lay before you our own thoughts of what we need. Just now. And now, Lord, show us what we need, who we need. Not just us personally, but our families, our community and our world and change our hearts so we can ask for those things that you want to give. Mm, Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence with us right now. In closing, let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. And uh, Father, we do ask too that you'd be softening our hearts as we listen to your word as Mike comes to share it this morning. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Kathy. A lovely, thoughtful prayer. A welcome this morning. Oh, yes, you're a long way out. The tide seems to be out a bit. <laughs> Bless you. We've actually had the sermon, haven't we, really, with uh, the prayers and the singing and uh, 
Douglas, um, the Lord keeps doing this to me. I prepare this message and then kids spot come up and you think, oh, well, just go and sit down, Michael. But uh, anyway, welcome. Welcome to those online and particularly to uh, the Barnes family. Story. Well, she will have some, won't she, living in that family. What a gorgeous thing. So welcome, Barneses. Uh, if you are not online but you hear this later, uh, congratulations and love, and it's a great, wonderful thing. So that's seven for if that's new folk here. Normally this front row is filled up because the Barnes family have six children, now seven, uh, and so you know half the church disappears when they go away. We've got other families in France, I think, the Pillars. Um, Dan this morning, we need to pray for Dan. Dan's got, uh, he's one of the uh, fellow uh, uh, members of the leadership team. He's got this terrible toothache. It's really been giving him a whole lot of grief. So why don't we just uh, stretch our hands out? And Father, we pray for uh, dear Dan. Lord, he's such a blessing to us. Uh, Lord, he's in pain. And so, Lord, we send your word to him. Lord, uh, we pray. Now, tooth, you just be healed. You come good. You pain, you go and set him free. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you, Dan. Probably... Yeah. All right. Well, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable, O Lord. As Douglas spoke to us, there is so much more. And that's the title um, this morning. There is so much more. Uh, So uh, Pastor Sam's away, but the wonderful thing about God's church is that the word of the Lord is always in the church, that somewhere um, there's always the word of the Lord and we've already heard it. So my job is just to add a little, a little, a little, little section more. But last week, Sam, uh, Pastor Sam completed the study on the book of Acts. It has been a fascinating journey where we saw God's sovereign plan unfold. We learned how the gospel, the teachings about the Messiah and the kingdom of God radiated out firstly from the Jewish community, God's chosen people, in and around Jerusalem, to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, that's you and I, isn't it, if we're not from the, from the Jewish faith, into the wider world. We saw repeatedly as Paul preached on his military, uh, military, on his missionary journeys across the Roman Empire, we saw repeatedly that some believed and put their trust in Jesus and some rejected him. And that's the pattern today, isn't it? Some believe, some, some choose not to believe. Uh, there was a great deal of opposition and persecution But Paul and others, empowered by the Holy Spirit, pushed on and demonstrated their firm faith in the God who had called them and continued spreading the message. So we read in the last, uh, the last recorded chapter of uh, chapter 28, I mean the book of Acts is still going on as you know, but the recorded thing by Luke uh, finished with Paul under house arrest in Rome where he not only taught, but he also wrote four letters or epistles, uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians and Philemon. Uh, in the letter to the Philippians, Paul mentioned that his imprisonment for the cause of Christ had become known throughout the whole of the Praetorian Guard and, and it's talked about there were some apartments near, near the palace um, and there was the Praetorian Guard which were a very elite group of people and they s- surrounded the, the palace and there were all these various places. And Paul was, was held pres- house, in, house arrest in, the, in one of these apartments. He, he mentions in the end of um, Philippians that a number of belie- believers from the household of Caesar, and this reference shows that the people living and working in the imperial palace were very familiar with Paul, suggesting that Paul had interaction with those in the household of the emperor. So it's interesting, isn't it? That, you know, he was... He was 
He thought he was in prison, but he was actually influencing the powers that be. One reflection here was that although he was physically constricted by house arrest, the gospel wasn't constrained. The guards thought that they were chained to him. Uh, Sorry, the, the guards thought that Paul was chained to them. Let's get it right. Whereas, in fact, they were chained to Paul, a truly captive audience. Ooh. Oh, sorry, no, no, sorry. How fortunate were those guards? As Sam pointed out, in, in God's foreordained plan, Paul was to be ultimately based at Rome so that he was at the centre of the empire of that time, an empire that had created communication links by road and sea to all parts of its dominion. It was amazing, wasn't it, the network of the, the Roman Empire. All roads, Sam said, led to Rome, but also out of Rome. And the influence of the gospel was spread far and wide through this established trade and military network, far from this strategic base. Paul, a prisoner? Yes. To whom? Christ. Therefore, his influence was undiminished. Our circumstances do not prevent the spread of the good news. It's a good thing to remember that, isn't it? Sometimes we think we've been bound up, we can't do things, but the spread of the gospel... I knew of a lady in in, uh, in Melbourne uh, some years ago and uh, she was housebound through illness but she used to pray every day, Lord, send me someone I can share my faith, I can talk to them about Jesus. And people would break down outside her house, uh, people would get lost and they knock on the door and said, can you direct me? And they said, oh, yes, I can direct you. Uh, salesmen, uh, salespeople would come and knock on the door, they'd get wrong numbers on the telephone, the list went on and on and on. It's amazing how creative God can be. And all these people would come across this lady's path and she was able to share her faith in Jesus with so many people, though she was housebound. Band. And, uh, our dear Nadine Crane, and, and Nadine will p- pick this up one day on, on, online, I'm sure. She's now in a wheelchair, living in a new, specially equipped home in the city. Just a wonderful place. Uh, but she still has many opportunities to influence others around her, and she's a real beacon in that place. She's already starting to make her presence felt. Next week, uh, we're going to have a panel of five people. Uh, hosted by Soren to invite the, uh, the panel members to reflect on some of the things that stood out for them in the series on the book of Acts that we've just gone through. You remember, uh, you may remember that Sam gave us three questions to consider as we went through the book. Now, many of you may have already received an email from Kathy through our Elvento mailing system. I found out what that means now. Elvento is not a guy in the office, it's a, it's a system. I thought, no, shut up, Michael, sorry. Um, but this information for those who are not yet on a mailing list or are visiting here is available here. If anybody would like a copy of these questions, which are just about to go on the screen now. You can read that, can't you? <laughs> There's a copy here. If anybody, anybody like a copy? Oh, yes, somebody at the back there. Mavis, would you be so kind? Sorry, thanks, Andrew. Lovely. I'm going to run around. Good. Okay, so it says... Uh, a year ago when we started this, the three questions to consider were as follows. As you place yourself in the narrative of Acts, what are you surprised by or what challenges your thinking? Secondly, as we learn the distinctives or priorities of the early church, what does it mean to be church? And as you read through the story of Acts, what is Jesus personally saying to you? They're good questions. He also suggested last week that some of you may like 
also to comment. It invited you to comment. But I think you'd realise with five people on the panel and Soren, that's six, and once the panel get talking, um, there ain't going to be a lot of room for you. So we want to hear your comments. We really do. So we thought um, one of the ways you could do that, and as you are a faith community, your observations and reflections are of great importance to us as we consider what is God saying to us as a corporate body. So you might like to write down your personal reflections during the week. If you've got the email or if you haven't got that, I said grab one of those bits of paper. There is a a, a white box at the uh, rear of the church or as you're going out, it says offerings. Well, it is an offering because they're your thoughts. Uh, if you would love to do that, we would love to hear from you. If you're bold enough, put your name on it and that means that, that we can acknowledge that and say thank you for your comments. We may not agree with you. We may love it. <laughs> but that's, that's there. Uh, so... You've got this week and then next week and say so we'll keep that open, say, for a couple of weeks. So really do. What is God saying to you? Now, I could give you more of my comments from questions one or two if you were that interested. But it would be my commentary and information as to what I saw. But what I believe is the most pertinent question is what does this mean for you and me? Commentary and opinion are easy or easier. We all have comments. We all have comments, don't we? About the weather, the government. We have lots of comments. There's lots of thoughts. But personal application is much more challenging. It's so good to have somebody like Kathy in the front row. She laughs at all my jokes. We all need somebody like that. We need people like the Moors that smile and grin and nod, even though they don't agree with me. That you know, it's 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 so kind. Sorry. All right. Um, are you and I growing in our understanding of him and his kingdom? Well, there we are. That was, uh, what was his name again? The dear, uh, Douglas. Douglas said that. Are you growing? You know, how are your spikes? <laughs> are you changing your spikes to put softer ones on? Ooh, that was naughty. Sam has already pointed out that the early church grew and spread as it was empowered and led by the Holy Spirit. So perhaps a question for us might be, in a great deal of the modern Western church, and remember, this is the church which Paul founded, and we saw right across that whole of the Mediterranean area, this was the, the, the birthplace of this massive move of God. The question is, is the church still being empowered by the Holy Spirit or by our own limited resources? How much of the supernatural and miraculous work of the Holy Spirit still happens today in those churches? I nearly missed this reference in verse 9 of uh, the last chapter of Acts 28, David, if we could uh, have that one up, please. So a bit of the context here. Um, uh, Publius, Publius, oh, is that me or the wind? Okay. Oh, we're getting, getting, getting exciting here. <clears throat> the context is, as you remember, Paul goes to see the father of Publius, the chief of official on the island. He must have been pretty chief because he invited 276 of them home for tea. Quite an impressive man. But verse 8 it says, his father was sick. He was suffering from fever and dysentery and Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hand on him and healed him. Now Sam, you may remember, described very graphically last week about the bloody flux, and I have to say that very carefully, the bloody flux. So, so laying on his hands on the sick person was a challenge, not something you'd really like to do. 
It's a wonderful miracle, another miracle, as we've seen many throughout the book. But it wasn't until I read the second time that I looked at the next verse. Read that with me, verse 9. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. How many? Where? Whole island. How many would that have been? Five, ten, five hundred, five thousand. Who knows? What an amazing thing it is. We just gliss over that. There is so much more. How would that be in Blackwood? Here. As a result of one major miracle, the sick of the whole district came clamouring on the door. Heal us, heal us. What need we, what must we do? What would that look like? Do you think that might change a thing or two? There is so much more. The book of Acts closes with the following words. Again, the context. For two whole years, uh, Paul stayed. Uh, thanks, uh, David. On to the next one. Uh, two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Because it's hard to stir up a, a riot when you've got a Roman soldier chained <laughs> One important thing stood out for me in that last chapter. Paul spoke of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. Perhaps you, like me, would love to have been present when Paul was teaching and discussing with those various groups as he reasoned the case for Christ from the Old Testament. And Steve would like that because he reasons for Christ from the Old Testament. On my understanding, we'll talk about it later. Uh, however, when I thought about it more, if we're reading our Bibles, as, he was good, wasn't he? Uh, Douglas, I have to keep coming back to Douglas. He said, read your Bibles. What a, what a great talk that was. Thank you, Douglas. He said, uh, if we're reading our Bibles, sorry, it's not hard to pick up on some of the references to Christ in the Psalms, the prophets, and many other passages. Perhaps he used Daniel's prophecy in Daniel 2, which is an extraordinary story, and, and it's worth a sermon on its own. But I'll, I'll just try and give you a very, very tiny potted, potted little version of this. There was a king, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, 600 BC, Babylonian king. He has a dream, and uh, he wakes up in the morning. He's really troubled by the dream, but he can't remember it. So he calls all the dudes of the day, which were the, um, the, the wizards, the, the um, uh, Harry Potters, the, uh, uh, all, all the, the, there's a list of them here, can't remember who they were, um, blah, 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 blah. diviners, enchanters, magicians, all these people. And he said, uh, right, tell me, what was my dream? And they go, oh, oh Nebby, King Neb, that's not fair. I said, you tell us the dream and we'll interpret it. He said, no, I can't remember it. You're supposed to be the, the dudes here. Do this. Well, if you can't, you're out of here. I've got to chop your heads off. So um, the word gets to Daniel who rides to the rescue and he says, King, King, there is a God in heaven who interprets such thing. And he explains, he then tells King Nebuchadnezzar what the dream was. And those who've read the story in, in Daniel 2, it describes a statue which had a, a head of gold, I think, uh, uh, shoulders of uh, silver, a breastplate of brass, and, and uh, or was it legs of bronze, and then the feet were a mixture of iron and clay. And he describes this prophetically of 
the three empires that were to follow up the Babylonian rule. So there's the Assyrians, the Greeks, and the Romans. So the Roman Empire was the last empire, which was the iron and clay, and there's, a, there's quite a lot of description about that. So he explains that, and then he, then he, he tells them what it is, and then he, then he gives the expl- explanation. And let me just read this. So this, is, uh, uh, this is in uh, Daniel 2. Uh, and he said, right, so the, the mixture of, of uh, iron won't mix with clay. In the time of those kings, in other words, the Roman Empire, and this is looking forward, remember this is 600 BC, so this is six, at least 600 years before the Roman Empire, uh, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never ever be destroyed. Back one a bit, sorry. In the, sorry, in the, in the vision, King Nebuchadnezzar saw a rock carved out without hands, and this rock rolled down and smashed the, smash, the statue to smithereens. So there was this rock uh, thing. So Daniel's explanation, in the time of those kings, the Roman Empire, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Does that sort of sound familiar about the time of the Roman Empire? Nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. Isn't that interesting? So there was a one of many uh, pointers to the Lord Jesus Christ and his, in his kingdom that was coming. This is the coming of the kingdom of God where Jesus rules as Lord and King. There's a lovely man, there's a late John Chapman, he's, he's since passed, who's an Australian evangelist out of Sydney. He describes God rule in the following five statements. God, this is God's world. He made it. God has made Jesus ruler of his world through raising him from the dead. Two, people. Everyone has rebelled against Jesus' right to run his or her life. Some in open hostility, others in passive apathy. It's real, just the same. Three, God. God calls on us all to stop rebelling and to submit to Jesus. Four, what if a person won't? If a person won't submit to Jesus, in the end, that person will be overthrown. Jesus really is in charge of God's world. Five, what if a person does? If a person stops rebelling and submits to Jesus, he is treated as if he or she is treated as if he or she had never rebelled. John Chapman also points out that Jesus can only be your saviour because he is Lord. Ergo, therefore, if you don't accept him as Lord, how can he effectively be your saviour? If you don't accept his right to rule your life, his lordship, then you might not have understood your rebellious position. Perhaps you may not have understood the danger that you are in and that you will have to face a very angry God because you have rebelled against him. We don't like to talk about that, do we? We say we're saved, we're saved. What are we saved from? We're saved from a God who is angry with people that have rebelled against his rule. 
But the good news, isn't it? Because God so loved you and loved this world, loved me, that he sent Jesus to die in our place to appease that anger. That is the good news. But how do you think he's going to feel about it if you have rejected his son and his offer of forgiveness? But that's your choice. And you have been given free will. That's the amazing thing, isn't it? He gives us the chance to turn around. The decision is yours alone. Ponder that carefully. We all need to ponder that, don't we? God doesn't want any of us to perish. God has set up this universe with definite principles, and we're going to be talking a little bit about that as we go on the next few weeks about the kingdom of God. There was a man called Bob Mumford who was a visiting Bible teacher. He gave this great illustration. I'm sure I've used it here before. There was a man sitting in an armchair. He's reading his paper, and he's stroking his dog, a big, big dog, say Labrador dog, but he's starting at the tail and rubbing it up towards his head. And he's quite oblivious to this. He's just stroking his dog. And the dog is cringing. And the dog looks up at the master and his eyes are saying, Master, Master, stroke me the other way. And he looks down and he sees in the dog's eyes what the dog is asking. And he says, Turn around. If we flow with God, God, Kathy, well done. No, you, you always get this. If we flow with God order in the way he commands, we are safe under his sovereign will, which means he is working all things for the good of those that love him. Hard to see sometimes, isn't it? It's only when you get to be an old grey-haired person like me, you look back and say, oh, my Lord, you have been amazing. You have been amazing. You see the way God's plan, and I was talking the other day, and we want to do this and the door shut and we said, oh, Lord, you know, I wanted to do that. And then you look back and you go, oh, Lord, thank you, you shut that door. If I'd gone through that door, where would I be? So much. Um, so it's not always, uh, not always an easy road and Jesus teaches us, but he will bring it all to a glorious conclusion when he returns and ushers in the new heaven and the new, and the new earth. And that's really when God will put it all back together and the whole thing and we'll go, oh, now I see, Lord. So we speak and teach a lot about Jesus as our saviour, but we don't necessarily stress the fact that he is Lord. You know, Skylar's testimony just recently, a couple of weeks ago, just before she was baptised, was not only just a gutsy station statement, but it's so biblical and, and it showed her powerful understanding of the kingdom of God. And well done, Skylar, if you're listening. She said, if you remember, she loved Jesus, accepted him as her saviour, but she did not want to submit to him being her Lord. Do you remember her saying that? Yeah, I love. I want Jesus to be my friend, be my saviour, but I really don't want to come under his, I don't want to put my life under his control. In the end, she gave in and asked him to rule in her life and followed this through by being willing to be baptised, dying to her old life, being raised as a new person in Christ, living Christ. So it's no longer now that Skylar lives, but Christ who lives in her. What a stunning example from a young person. The biblical pattern is repent, change your mind. God is real. Oh, Lord, repent. Believe, put your faith, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved when you put your faith, having turned away from yourself, put your faith in Christ, believe, baptise, be baptised, receive. Receive what? Christ but also the Holy Spirit. Repent, believe, baptise, receive. 
to be honest, I, I struggled with the repentance bit and the and spiritual blindness for years. I became a very good churchman. I know how to do this stuff, but not necessarily a good disciple, a follower. I love God. I wanted to serve him, but I have to be honest, I had my own ideas about how that would be and how much and when. When I came to realise that much of my service for God was really all about me, it really was a terrible shock. You asked Bev, two or three years ago, I was confronted with myself. I was, I was, I was devastated, wasn't I really? I was just completely blown apart because I'd realised for something like 40 years I'd really been doing my own thing. I'm still on that journey. And wow, it does make a lot of difference when submitting to, submitting to Jesus as Lord. There was a, a story, I think it was a little Welsh church, the Welsh are really good at telling these stories, um, that this pastor was preaching and obviously he suddenly got revelation about who Jesus was and, and he starts to come alive and he's preaching and this lady turns to her husband and he says, I think pastor's getting saved. <laughs> and that's, you know, really it is. Almost like being born again. I understand that. Uh, some of you remember, yeah, you're old enough, few of you here, uh, in the 1984 children's film, The Never-Ending Story. Have any of you seen that? Never-Ending Story? Yeah, a few of you. It's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So Atreyu, the hero, has to go on a journey to stop the nothingness taking over the world. There are a number of trials, but there's one where he comes face to face with himself in a huge mirror. It's a very frightening thing to come face to face with yourself and really see who you are, or actually what God knows about you. What's our normal reaction? Peter in the boat. Lord, get away from me. I'm a sinful man. So Atreyu, thinking he was the hero, going off to save the world from the nothingness, suddenly is confronted with the fact he wasn't really a hero. He was just an ordinary human being struggling with inadequacies and terrified of actually having his eyes opened to his blindness about who he really was. So ashamed, he shies away. But he thinks about it, and, and we do too. And for us, we, to continue this journey to complete his mission or for us to complete, to complete our mission, to complete our destiny of going home, we've got to pass through that mirror. Despite the horror of coming face to face with his real character flaws, and for me, for my character flaws, we have to take courage, face ourselves, and push on through that mirror to fulfil our destiny. That is the power of the grace that God offers us in Jesus Christ. So perhaps one of the questions, and I'm finishing now, you might now like to reflect on, sorry, that means that I'm going to speak for another 20 minutes. <laughs> sorry, perhaps one of the questions you might now like to reflect on is are you just a believer or are you a person who accepts Jesus' call to follow him? That's a very real question, isn't it? You know there's a difference. Dying to your own self-centred life so that he may live his life through you is not an easy call. Remember the statement I think I spoke about a few weeks ago on the door of a Greek monastery and it says, if you die before you die... When you die, you won't die. If you die, before you die, when you die, you won't die.
If you don't understand that, ask Kathy. <laughs> Think about that. Think about that. So over the next few weeks, we're going to start to unpack more of what the kingdom of God is about. Why is it so central to Jesus' teaching? A number of speakers are going to share over some weeks, and it's going to be lovely. We're going to get um, a couple of pairs of people. Uh, Andrew's going to get on his feet again. We're hoping... Oh, we're not put people on the spot because you may not know yet that you're... <laughs> but we're going to get uh, people to share, share some of their experiences, so 15 minutes each, so we get a number of people. Because the word of the Lord is in the body, isn't it? So I'm looking, looking forward to this. Um, they're going to share on the parables of Jesus. Perhaps, I don't know what they're going to talk about. They'll have the right words. Parables Jesus taught on what the kingdom of God is like. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is like parables, parable after parable. The kingdom of God is near you. The kingdom of God is in you. What does that mean? The Lord's model prayer, which we prayed so beautifully this morning. The Beatitudes and so much more. I'm really looking forward to what we can learn and apply. So the challenge is for all of us to ask ourselves honestly, what is Jesus saying to me? There is so much more. If during this talk you felt God's convicting spirit telling you that this is true, this will happen to me and probably many of you here, you're sitting there and you suddenly think, oh my goodness, this is true. If you wanted to put your hand up, just acknowledge the fact God's talking to you. Don't be shy. Well, come and come, please come and see me afterwards. I'd love to pray with you and help you just get started on this amazing journey. But there's one other matter. Just as I close, um, I said that. But it's funny. It was a repair. As preparing, I just got this thought that there's someone here who's lost a pen. Now you think, for goodness' sake, Michael's off on one. He needs coffee. Thank you, Judy. She can see it. There's one on the floor. Well, that's not the one we're looking for. Okay. But someone here has lost a pen. If it's not here, there's somebody online. But you lost a pen. It's not just a pen. That's a cheap one. This is a special pen. This is one maybe somebody significant in your life, grandfather or close friend, or somebody gave you this pen because it's special. And you've lost it. And you're really upset by that. You've looked everywhere, you've asked, and you can't find that. Who's that person? I think you're here or you're online. Let me know. No? None of you here? All right, I'll go to plan B. There were three others. That was the one I was convinced about. The other one is a book. You've lost a book. Not sure. You think you may have lent it to somebody, but it's a book that you enjoy and you want back. It's not there. Third one was, a second one was a piece of jewellery. Very special piece of jewellery. That's gone. Any of this clicking with anybody? Put your hand up if it rings the bell with you. This is not some psychic stuff. This is just what I really felt the Lord show me. And the third, fourth one, Book, pen, jewellery, amnesia. <laughs> I don't know. Have you lost something? So does that ring a bell with anybody? Just stick it. Thank you, Sue. Right. I'm a teacher. I love to drink coffee. A mug. Yeah, thank you. You've lost it. 
Beautiful. Come on, there's other people here. You've lost stuff. Come on, own up. Own up. Come on. What have you lost? Thank you. All right. Now, I say that because God is very interested in lost things. He's serious. He's very interested in lost things. You think about the kingdom and the, the, the parables. So you're a big girl, so I can say this to you without having to bring you out here and pray quietly and secretly. You know why God sometimes does that? Because he wants to get our attention. It's not about the mug. He's saying, I want you. I want your attention. I want your wholehearted attention. Now, what little I know of you, I think he's got a pretty good grip on that already. But there's something he's getting your attention about. So I believe that during this week, you're going to find that mug. Yeah. Now, you come back and tell us. I mean, that, look, no, this is, this is what it's about. If I'm wrong, then I'm sorry. But we have to have a go at these things. And I've done this before, and it's been incredibly accurate. So it's either the people who are supposed to be hearing they're not here, so they're online. So if it's you, please let me know. But it's often that God takes something which is very precious to us, and he hides it so that he'll get our attention and as we push in to see him, and I'm not in any way detracting from this beautiful lady. She is a a wonderful soul. But God wants your attention. He wants you. He wants that deep relationship with you. Let us pray. Oh God, our Father, we, Lord, cannot really under- comprehend the love that you have for us and the plans that you, you, you have made for us. Lord, we're so often so spiritually blind. Lord, we sometimes have a, a higher opinion of ourselves than we need to. We get in your way. Instead of being on the way, we get in the way. Lord, open our eyes this morning to who, how you see us what glories you see, how much there is so much more you have for us. Help us, Lord. Help us to draw closer to you. Help us, my God, Lord, to follow you. Come under your, uh, your guidance willingly. Forgive our times when we rebel and we buck against you. Oh, God, In your judgment, have mercy. Have mercy on us as you do. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you did come and that you did pay that price so that we can be reunited with our Father, that we can come home. And if that's the cry of your heart this morning, please don't leave this place. If you're sensing God is calling you, he's calling you to come home, to follow his directions, then please come and talk to me afterwards or talk to somebody, maybe somebody you came with. But don't leave this place without dealing with the big questions of life. Praise you, Jesus. We bless you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your concern and love for us. Thank you that you have made your way for us to return to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Music, music team, if you'd uh, come and lead us in the song and then Andrew's going to come up and uh, close the meeting.
Sorry. Thank you. Right, if you'd like to stand, we're going to sing about how worthy our God is. us to a close this morning. Um, thank you, Kathy, and thank you, Mike, for the things you've shared. Um, I'm just reminded when, Kathy, you said that verse about, you know, us being evil can provide good gifts to our children if they ask for, you know, the stone. And, Mike, just what you were sharing about um, the Lordship of Christ. And if you've been a Christian for a little while, you would know that when we give our plans over to God and we just say, look, whatever you want, Lord, I want what you want, and we let him unfold his will in our lives, we know that that's the best place to be. That's when you feel free. That's when you feel excited about life. Um, And we need to be reminded, don't we? Because sometimes we slip back into thinking, how am I going to work out all these things that I've got to do or situations? So thank you for the encouragement this morning that God's way is the best way in our lives. And as we submit our lives to him, it's actually a wonderful, blessed place to be. So take that with you as you go through the week. And uh, and like that wonderful example of that lady who was housebound, who was sharing the gospel, probably more than people who are out and about and have that freedom. You know, God can work anything in your life as we turn it over to him. So I'm encouraged. And I thank you for that today, guys. So if you'd like to hang around for a coffee, um, there's always people in the prayer room if you have any prayer requests. And I just pray that you take something from today and it will just encourage you throughout the week. So God bless you and have a great week. Thank you.